And we are believing God for revival in our midst. And the reason that we are believing for revival is because we need revival. Amen? There's no use wasting our time on something that's not needful. Is that right? So God wouldn't be leading us in this direction if there wasn't a pressing need for a moving of his spirit in our midst. Now, I know if we are unwise, then we tend to compare ourselves among ourselves. And so if we compare ourselves to the typical of the common church in America, you know, the church in America is apostate. Do you know there are very few people right with God in America? Most of the people that go to church, most of the people that speak in other tongues, they're on their way to hell. We understand that and we believe that and we testify to that truth. But, you know, we often and perhaps even unconsciously, we find comfort in comparing ourselves to the standard that's been established by apostasy. And that is very, as the Bible warns us, very unwise. Amen. And so if we compare ourselves as we should with the Word of God, and and specifically and particularly what is God saying to us via His Word right now. Amen. And God is telling us that we need revival. Amen. Now, if we believe that, if we choose, if we exercise faith and that truth, there should be an ever-increasing desperation that begins to take place amongst us. Amen? Because if we're in need of revival, then it is a desperate situation. And if we believe that, then we're going to act accordingly. If we don't act accordingly, then it tells us that we're not truly believing that we have need. Amen? And you may say, well, Brother Britt, I I can't make myself desperate. Oh, I beg to differ with you. Oh, yes, you can. It's rooted in your will. Amen. I don't feel desperate. Amen. God didn't ask you, and he didn't ask me whether we felt desperate. He told us we're in need. And so now He's he is demanding that we believe what he says about the situation. And if we will, with our will, choose to believe what the Word of God says, then that will begin to affect, amen, and influence our heart. Amen? You know, many times people go into uh, the hospital for a regular checkup. You've heard people say this many times. You know, I, I felt perfectly uh, well. I, I was in perfect condition. There was no pain whatsoever. I went in for a regular checkup, and they told me that I had cancer. Amen. Well, you see, by their feelings, there was no real need. Is that right? But as soon as the doctor made a diagnosis and told them, you have cancer, you have uh, this long to live, or gave whatever prognosis that the doctor would give, then what did the person do? They believed in spite of what they felt. They believed the doctor's words. And they began to act accordingly. If not, then you said, well, I feel fine, doctor. I don't believe any of those x-rays and those tests. I'm just going to go on living like I live. I'm not going to pay any attention. I'm not going to worry whatsoever. 
Amen. That would be denying the word of the doctor. And there are people that do that when crisis comes into their life. Uh, reality, you know, brings to their attention that uh, they're in great need. And yet, you know, they'll deny that and just go on and live as if nothing's wrong. We see, you know, this is a normal human experience. People deny that their, you know, their marriages are falling apart or their business is going under, et cetera, and so forth. And they just deny it all and sweep it under the rug and refuse to face reality. But sooner or later, amen, they're swept away with the crisis because they didn't respond properly. You know what? They could have chosen to be desperate, but they refuse to believe reality. Our reality is defined by the word of the Lord. Amen. And the word of the Lord is, we need revival. We need a moving of the Spirit of God. When I say we, that's including me. Amen. That's including you, whoever you may be. Amen. We are us. And all of us, we need the moving of God's Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles out to James chapter 5. We're going to talk about revival praying. You know, it stands to reason if we're to apprehend the experience, amen, of God's promise of revival, then we must, by faith, approach God via believing prayer. We know that uh, in the book of James, we're warned by the Holy Ghost, ye have not because ye ask not. A very simple and reasonable exhortation. Amen. Ye have not, cause ye ask not. You know, I believe that it's very true here this morning and our, tonight and accurate that many of us have not because we ask not. I believe that there are things that we have need of in the spirit, things that God wants to equip us with, uh, things that God wants to harness us with in the spirit. He wants to give us these things. Amen. He wants to prepare us for the battle. Amen. He wants to raise us up and mature us. Amen. But we don't have what he wants to give us because we refuse to ask for it. Isn't that terrible? Won't that be a very humbling thing on the day of uh, judgment in eternity? That we had not because we asked not. And not only that, we were warned specifically about that. Amen. Oh, what shame there is. You see, there can be no revival if we refuse to petition God for his promise to revive us. You know, the declaration of the word or the sounding of the alarm, amen, in Zion is only one facet, amen, one sphere, one point, if you will, amen, leading to revival. We must take heed to the word of God and we must pray accordingly, amen, and we must not stop praying until we receive the promise, amen. We must take hold of God. We must take hold of God. We must cling to the word of God and we must pray through until we receive the promise, amen, that God has given us. And the question here tonight and the question for us in this season, amen, is are we really willing to do this? And and, and not only that, do we believe that we must? Are we just going to coast passively through this season 
and assume that like Samson, amen, that I will, you know, shake myself in times past and rise up. You know, what a terrible thing. Amen. You know, the pattern of the church, the local church, the pattern of the church is the same for the pattern for the individual. Amen. Individuals begin to grow cold. Individuals begin to drift. The Spirit of God begins to warn and probe, begin to deal with the heart, urging, wooing, calling the individual back into close fellowship with God. And the person, amen, perhaps not in any gross sin, perhaps not in any sin whatsoever other than denying their relationship with Jesus. And there is the root, amen. And they begin to drift and yet they turn their ear from the, the warnings of the Holy Ghost. And before it's too late, amen, you, you see they're, they're grossed over, they're dull of hearing, their heart has waxed cold, they fall into gross sin and then they're overtaken by a power move of the devil. Well, the local church is no different. If a church begins to drift, then the Spirit of God is going to begin to warn going to bring to their attention, it's time to press in. It's time to take up lost ground. It's time to rise up and to resist the devil. And if that group of individuals, that spiritual entity, doesn't collectively rise up, amen, and seize the moment, amen, then the ramifications and the spiritual repercussions are grave indeed, amen. You see, do we believe that we need revival, amen, or, you see, to be self-sufficient is not always a conscious choice. Many times it's deception. Self-deception. It's a state of heart where people, I, I can't seem to be moved. Well, that's a lie. You can be moved. Do you understand that? You can be moved by the Word of God. You've got to choose to be moved by the Word of God. You say, well, I don't want to be, you know, fake. I don't want to be a hypocrite. If you sincerely act upon the Word of God, that's the furthest thing from hypocrisy. Think about it. We deal with sinners all the time. And sinners will say, well, you know, I'm not really, I wasn't planning on getting right with God. It's not, I don't really feel like I should do this. And we tell them, you don't need to walk by what you feel. You don't need to walk by what you see. You need to walk by the Word of God. That defines our reality. You can be moved. And if we're not moved, it's because we chose not to believe what God says about it. Amen. Remember, the promise of revival is merely divine intervention in an effort to turn us back to vibrant spiritual life. And you see, all of God's dealing with us as individuals, amen, as a corporate entity, as a local church, all of God's dealings along these lines is a manifestation of His mercy and His grace. Amen. It's not the will of God that we perish. And you know, I don't want to be an alarmist or act as if, you know, perhaps we're on the very edge. You know, it would probably take some time for gross sin to manifest itself. Uh, you know, and for us to move down the road of apostasy. I would concede that. But who wants to take even the slightest step backwards? In fact, amen, who wants to find a place of ease? But, but, but most people, before they go out or before they go back, they stop moving forward. And they find a place of comfort 
Amen. A place where, well, this is good ground. We'll just settle down here. Amen. We're called to take the land and to take all of the land. Amen. And if we'll walk in faith, then we will do so. Amen. We cannot deny, amen, or who can deny that sweet daily communion between the Christian and his God through believing prayer is essential to spiritual life. You see, if we're walking in life, there's no need for revival, amen? You see, the revival just tells us, the need for revival tells us there is a lack of divine resurrection life, and we have need of that. And God, in His mercy, in His abundant kindness, He wants to give us life. But the conditions have to be met. Amen. Thus, prayer, our spiritual communication, is at the heart of the divine human relationship. If we fail to pray, then we fail to maintain a right relationship with God. And hence, by and by, we will forfeit divine life. And consequently, we will find ourselves in need of revival. Amen. We're all familiar with this quote, but Samuel Logan Bringle said, backsliding usually begins through neglected or hurried secret prayer. I can remember several years ago, Kevin was uh, talking to me when he first came down to the open air conference and he asked me, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, different men that we knew and pastors that we had uh, sat under that are now backslidden and he said what do you think the root is all these people backsliding well immediately amen i said they refuse or came to a place where they refuse to daily seek god that's where it began that's where it always begins and we've heard that over and over and over i doubt that i would have to argue with any of us here about that fact amen we've heard it said and and it can't be said any better than this what takes you out of the altar, and when I say that I don't mean, you know, a a literal place, but what takes you out of communion with God is going to take you out of the kingdom. That's where it begins. That secret prayer closet. Amen. And we have, what, what is praying? You know, it's important for us to remember true prayer is more than just attending a prayer meeting. We haven't canceled any prayer meetings, have we? We've had prayer meetings this whole, but we come to the prayer meetings and we're not praying at the prayer meetings. You see, prayer is not just to attend a prayer meeting. Amen. Prayer is more, amen, far deeper than just saying something or uttering some words. Although, you know, I've over the years looked even in this church and wondered, how can people pray without uttering words? Because I see people and have seen people for years say they're praying and rarely have heard them utter an even, even a word. I do believe, amen, you got to say something to be in prayer, amen, to commune with God. And I think it ought to be alarming, amen. So, you know, and again, this is something you can't tweak the external. You can't just get people screaming or get people loud or get people active. You know, that that isn't real prayer. But I can tell you this, when you have nothing to say to God, amen, listen to me. There's something deeply amiss in your spirit. And the answer is to press in.
The answer is to reacquaint. The answer is to find alarm, uh, desperation, grief in the very fact that I don't know what to say to God. And if we don't overcome in that area, if you listen to me, not only, listen to me, if you don't ultimately overcome on that point, on that ground, amen, you're not only not going to see revival, ultimately you're going to end up outside of the kingdom. It's not an option. And this, again, it should make us alarm. That we could come into this church, a church that professes to be Pentecostal, that professes to be full of the Holy Ghost, and if two or three people stop uttering prayers, it sounds like the deadest Baptist church, full of the grossest iniquity. And that's the truth. And it hasn't changed very much over the years. How do we change that? How do we, how do we change that? You and me are going to have to pray being led by the Holy Ghost. We're going to have to pray for revival, which means somebody, you see, this is not a suggestion. Well, I'm here, brother. And I'm waiting for you to pray for revival. I'm going to pray for revival. But you're going to have to pray for revival too. Amen. Thank God there ought to be the prayer coming from this pulpit. Oh, God, revive the works of your hand. But likewise, there's going to have to be a prayer. Come on from that pew. Oh, God, visit us afresh. Every one of us are obligated. To lift up our voice. And again, let me qualify. I'm not simply talking about just stirring yourself up in the natural. Though, listen to me. That'd be better than just sitting staring at the carpet. I mean, really. I mean, you know, this is the thing. I have a standard for me that I believe God established early on. And, you know, if I'm at a prayer meeting and I find myself just checking out, you know, the the pimples on my hand, then I realize... uh, I'm carnal as, you know, a cinder block. And I better get up and I better press through this. I better get my mind on Jesus. Amen. I better, I better lift up my voice. You know, the thought, well, if you lift up your voice now, you're, you're a hypocrite or you're playing games. Listen to me. If you're not, if you're in sin, repent! But if you're not in sin, you're not a hypocrite. Amen. To take yourself to task and pull yourself up and say, self, you need to seek God! If you don't do that, I, I really, I don't see, you're going to go to hell. If you don't do that, and if you don't do that in a prayer meeting, in a corporate prayer meeting, you're for sure not doing it on your lonesome all by yourself. And then in times of great temptation, you see, if you can't deny yourself for a prayer meeting, will you deny yourself for lust? Will you deny yourself when no one else is around? Will you deny yourself when you're crossed? Amen. Or will you manifest? You see, listen to me. This is the most basic, one of the most basic elements of true Christianity. 
that we must depend upon God. And dependence upon God requires that we're terrified of ourselves. Amen. And dependence upon God requires that we commune with God and we talk with God. Amen. It's also important to remember true prayer. Amen. Must be something that flows from a heart. Amen. That believes the word of God. Amen. And listen to me. This is the issue. We, we just need to take what the Bible says. Pray without ceasing. I'm commanded to pray. The Bible tells me, urges me, amen, warns me of prayerlessness. It tells me I must seek God. And I must act upon that. And if I truly act upon that, then it will be legitimate before God, and God will give me grace. Biblical prayer, prayer that apprehends the promise of revival, inspires moment-by-moment victory, amen, because there is a, 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 a brokenness, there is a dependence upon God and His grace, amen. But that type of individual who prays in faith is a person that refuses to be denied. He prays through, and that type of prayer has certain attributes. Tonight, amen, for our encouragement and instruction, we're going to talk about the marks of revival praying. The marks of those who would pray through to revival. Let's read here in James chapter 5, 16 through 18. And this is a text that I preached recently out of, but from a totally different angle. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Father, I ask you tonight, Lord, use your word, Father, Lord, to penetrate our heart. We need to see you, Father God. Oh, I pray for ourselves, Lord. We need to be desperate. We need to be broken, Father. I'm asking you, Lord, for the truth to be effectual in every heart and every life. Give us ears to hear, Father God, what you're saying to us, O oh God. I pray, Lord, for the conviction, Father, of your spirit, Father. Oh, Lord, an urgency, Lord, the, the weight of the matter, Lord, that lies before us. Lord God, I pray, Father, that you would open our understanding and illuminate our heart by your word, Father God, that we would be a people who are desperate and hungry for you, Lord God, I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. In our text here, the scripture cites the Old Testament example of the prophet Elijah as a man who prayed down rain on barren and dry land. Amen. It's typical, amen, of those who would pray and believe God for a Holy Ghost reign. Faced with the impossible in 1 Kings 17 and 18, Elijah, through bold, passionate, and undaunted prayer and faith in God, saw the word of God fulfilled. Tonight, in our text, I see several things implied, amen, by this idea of revival praying. 
First of all, amen, we must learn to pray through. We must have a spirit that refuses to be denied, amen. And again, this is basic to Christianity. We've seen people come to the altar. We've preached to relatives. We've preached to acquaintances that may have been moved emotionally, amen, you know, the fear of hell, whatever it may be, but not a very deep repentance. And they come and they say a sinner's prayer, but in a few days, a few weeks, or perhaps a few months, as soon as, you know, persecution arises or difficulties for the word's sake, amen, they give up and throw in the towel, amen. And what does that reveal? It reveals, you know, more than likely a spurious conversion, amen, a lack of true faith in the word of God. And so, you know, if we apply that principle to our prayer life, if we're truly praying in faith, amen, then we will refuse to be denied even if we face difficulty even if we cannot sense the favor of God we're led by the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost of course amen is you know in agreement with the word of God in James here it just simply says and pray which implies until you have accomplished prayers in none of us would assume God is commanding us to pray and to fall short amen of you know reaching that end that divine end in prayer notice amen here as elsewhere in the scriptures we have the command to pray the fact that prayers commanded is an irrefutable fact Jesus said in Luke 21, watch ye therefore and pray always. The Apostle Paul tells us that we should pray without ceasing. And also that we should be found praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Amen. Martin Luther said, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Mr. Bunyan, writer of Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress, he declared, he that is not a praying man is not a Christian man. Amen. Can you say amen to that truth? Now, when we say amen, praying through, we are simply speaking of effectual prayer. Prayer that accomplished its, accomplishes its designed end. The object of prayer is first and foremost, amen, to commune with God, but secondly, to apprehend the promise, amen, whatever we have need of to glorify God, to apprehend that by faith. You know, every day we should uh, establish that stand. I must pray through to the place of communion with God, where I know that I have been with God, amen, and I see with the inner eye of the Spirit that God is, amen. Every one of us should pray through to that place, amen. And if we haven't had communion with God, we may have said prayers, but we haven't really prayed according to the scriptures. Hence, if we do not pray through, amen, then we have not prayed at all. Incidentally, the term pray through, though it's often used, and especially among Pentecostals, is not found specifically in the scriptures. However, it represents the biblical principle of true and meaningful prayer. Prayer 
that touches God. Amen. Prayer that touches God. And every one of us can pray. Amen. Can pray effectually. Every one of us can pray through. That's why, you know, this passage is given to us. Amen. Elijah, he's just a man, just like you and me. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. Amen. He's an example that point, that the scriptures point us to. He was someone who prayed through. There was great need. Amen. There was, amen, a famine. There was, amen, a a, a drought in the land. There was great need. And yet he prayed until the heavens were opened and the need was met. Amen. And and the scriptures are simply telling us, amen, he's a man. Amen, you're a man. Amen, I'm no respecter of persons. If you will believe me, amen, if you will follow me, if you will stand upon my word, then the impossible is possible if you'll only believe God. Amen. However, this term, amen, praying through represents that biblical principle. Amen. Of taking hold, of refusing to be denied. Thus, all genuine prayer is praying through and praying through is in reality genuine prayer, especially when we are believing for revival. You know, the old saints of God use the phrase taking hold of the horns of the altar. Amen. You've heard people say that before. We need to take hold to the horns of the altar. And that concept is rooted in the Old Testament or in Old Testament stories like the one found in 1 Kings 2 and 28 when Joab fled into the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold on the horns of the altar. His life was threatened. It was an act of desperation. Amen. He fled to that altar. He took hold to the horns of the altar and he remained there until he either died or found mercy. And this is where the concept comes. Taking hold of the horns of the altar. To pray through. Amen. In other words, a place where we come, I will not be denied. I'm not only going to pray. I'm not only going to ask. But I'm going to believe no matter what. This is the direction that I'm going. This is the will of God. And I'm going to stand here, amen, until God blesses me. Until the need is met. Revival praying requires biblical faith. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. Amen. Now the inspiration to seek originates with God and is a byproduct of faith in the word of God. He that cometh to God, the Bible says, must believe that he is. Amen. We talked about this last week when men afflicted with any physical malady, when they rush to the hospital, it's only because they believe they'll find help therein. The inspiration to seek God then springs from a heart encouraged and persuaded to take God at his word. Amen. Amen. There are promises all over the scriptures to meet every legitimate need, amen, that you and I would face to overcome, to do the will of God, to bring in glory, to live holy, amen, to walk in the power of God. There is a promise for every bit of that. And God is not telling us that, amen, just to, you know, rattle his lips. He's telling us that because he will meet the need if we will believe what he says. 
His prayerliness, prayerlessness above all is an indicator of crippling unbelief, a spiritual death, an alienation from the life-changing reality that God is. That's something that needs to be alive in the Spirit, something that needs to be real to you and I, that God is. Amen? And that's not something that just happened. That's not something, you know, you must walk with God. And as you and I walk with God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As we fellowship with God, as we fellowship with His Word, Amen. That's more than reading, though that's included. It's more than meditation, though that's included. It's more than memorization, though that's included. Amen. Jesus is the living Word of God. And as we fellowship with Him and walk with Him, Amen, then there is that reality. Faith rises up in the heart. How are you and I going to believe? You know, what our situation is, God defines it. As a church, as individuals, how are we going to overcome? There's only one one choice that we can make. We've got to fellowship with God. That's it. There's no other choice. There's no other escape. There's no other remedy. It's the only choice we have. To cry out to God. To believe God until He answers us. There's no use doing anything else. There's no, no use meditating upon, uh, 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 considering any other alternative So if we're not seeking God, if we're not pressing in, if we're not rising up, amen, if we're not denying ourselves, amen, I realize, listen to me, when we're in a a condition such as this, amen, you may rise up one day, amen, be knocked down a bit, amen, you need to rise up again, you need to have a spirit, I refuse to be denied, I've got to press in, I've got to overcome, I've got to rise up, I've got to take a hold of myself by the grace of God, seek God or I'm going to die there has to be that type of spirit and that's the only reaction we can have there is no other reaction I mean I can close the notebook right here because that's what we must do and we must do it all the time we must set our heart amen this is not going to pass if it does pass amen amen it's going to be because going to be because we hear what God is saying to us and we respond properly. Amen? I don't want God to leave us alone. Do you? I don't want to be left to myself. Amen? No matter how active, no matter how excited, no matter how verbal or bold, men may appear to be, their unbelief will be exposed at the prayer altar. You know, we, we've said it before. All the street preaching, homeschooling, modesty, those are all good things. All biblical things. But what we are as a church is defined at the prayer meeting. That's the truth. Amen? You know, we, we've seen people on the streets say, I'm a Christian, as they walk away. We said, why don't you come over and tell us? Tell us what God is showing you in your prayer closet. Why don't, why don't you come? If you're a Christian, why don't you tell me how God, what, what is he saying to you? What, what, what's happening when you commune with God? And you know, they just walk away. I wonder if someone would ask us that. Maybe we need to be asked that question. Amen.
We cannot live in the flesh and pray in the Spirit. Prayerlessness is symptomatic of a life lived in the flesh, a lack of life in the Spirit, says Mr. Ellie Maxwell. You know, think about it. We often judge, and rightly so, we often judge people according to the way that they would respond in a worship service or even a prayer meeting, amen? We, we would see someone that would attend church, you know, if they would just look at the wall or what have you, if they wouldn't enter in, then you would assume the person is probably not right with God. But do we enter in? Are we truly setting aside the, you know, the things that we face throughout the day, and are we coming into the presence of God, setting aside all care, and praying, entering into the throne room of God, boldly by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and communing with Him? Or do we just kind of float through the prayer meetings? Amen, and through the worship services. Amen. We tell the sinner he must press in, act by faith, disregard what he may see or feel. But many times we're bound by the same spiritual malady. Faith is simply compelled to come, to believe, to rest in God and his word. So if we are to believe God for revival, above all, we must have faith and earnestly pray, believing in God and his word. You know, you, you think back to that Old Testament story. Amen. Our example is Elijah. Amen. The prophet. And, uh, you know, the story that's alluded to is the story in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Amen. And you'll remember that story that God told Elijah that he would send rain. Amen. So God, that, he said, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. And so Elijah simply acted upon the word of God and he prevailed in prayer, believing that what God had said, God would do. Those who truly believe, as the Bible declares, realize and act on the fact that God is. Amen. In other words, God is the answer to every problem that I face. Hence, we must remember, spiritual life and faith are inseparable. Amen. And life always enjoys interaction with the life giver. Amen. That is the germ of divine life, to walk in close relationship with God. Amen. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. We know that that is a, a metaphoric. doesn't mean that, you know, speaking of the Lord's Supper, it is talking about entering in to that life, amen, to, to love the Lord Jesus Christ, to commune with him, to walk with him, to yearn after his heart, to, to, to desire above all things, to be conformed to his character. And who can say that they want that if they're not even talking to him? Thus, if we lack the quickening that God is, this will be reflected in our prayerlessness, our passionless, lifeless attempts at prayer. Revival praying is impossible while we're in sin. Confess your faults one to another. We are to confess our sins, for there's only the man made righteous in Christ who can offer effectual prayer. Obviously, 
Elijah was a righteous man when he offered his weather-altering prayers. Amen. Not only that, amen, moreover, he had done everything that could be done for those he interceded for. Now, they had a choice to make as well, amen, because remember, the rain fell, and it benefited everybody. But, you know, he he was raised up as a prophet for backslidden Israel, and so he set things in order. He set the altar in order. Amen. Uh, A divine fire fell in the presence of a backslidden nation. The hearts of the people were somewhat turned and softened to God and the prophets of Baal were slaughtered. Amen. If the prophets of Baal, if the error and the sin, amen, the idolatry had not been dealt with, then the rain would have never have fallen. The sin, amen, has to be dealt with. You know, I haven't spoken much on that because I assume, amen, that we know that. But let us not be deceived or naive. Any unconfessed, unforsaken sin in our midst, amen, it will grieve the Spirit of God. Amen. Do you understand that? We all have an obligation here to live holy and to live pure. If any man sins, thank God, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is a propitiation. Amen. Not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. If you sin, repent. Amen. Get up and walk in holiness. Amen. I'm not suggesting anyone here should be discouraged or give up. But anybody who would think they're going to play games or anyone who thinks they're going to cover up some sin that they have no intention, amen, of forsaking. I can tell you what you better hope for. You better hope for that everybody in this church doesn't really get serious. Because if we do get serious and you come up here and try to play games, amen, you have a death wish. Amen. And so believing God for the promise, amen, was in order. Every hindrance had been removed. And because the hindrances were removed, then Elijah could pray in faith. Amen. Any unconfessed, unforsaken sin. Amen. We must address Psalm 66 and 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 1 and 15. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Amen. Anytime there's sin, unconfessed, unforsaken. Amen. When there's a lack of repentance, then the Spirit of God is only going to deal with us on the level of facing the reality that we must repent. Amen? If there's bickering, fighting, division, bitterness, unforgiveness, division, amen, any of that, in the home, in the marriage, in the family, amen, along the lines in the church, horizontal, any of that that's taking place, any of it that's harbored, any of it that's nurtured, amen, or or sought to be hidden, it is going to grieve the Spirit of God. And it's going to quench uh, grace to pray. Amen? I believe it was Mr. Ravenhill said a sinning man will stop praying. Amen. And a praying man will stop sinning. It always works one way or the other. Amen. Revival praying necessitates diligence, 
Elijah, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained out on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Such powerful prayer. Amen. A man that had faith, amen, in God to shut the heavens. Amen. Elijah was a man who prayed diligently and he received answers to his petition. For example, on Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed over and over in spite of the fact that there was no evidence in the natural. It was very dry. You ever prayed when it's very dry? It was very dry. There hadn't been a moving of the Spirit, if I could put it that way, for three years. Long time. And yet he kept praying, kept praying, kept looking, kept believing, amen, that God was going to move, amen. It, we must be diligent if we're going to pray for revival. All that Elijah had was the word of the Lord. It says in First Kings 18, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And yet by faith, Elijah declared to Ahab, there was no evidence of rain in the natural. Get thee up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of the abundance of rain. That was all by faith in the word of God. He's a perfect example of a man who believes that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Revival praying necessitates that we diligently show faith, that we stand fast against all odds, regardless of what we see, sense, feel, or experience in the natural, but that we stand on the word of God and what God says about it. We must refuse to give up or cast in the towel simply because we see little visible proof that God hears or answers. Amen. And we should never let down that hope for revival, that belief for revival. Amen. This is not only true moment by moment as we pray and believe for revival, but likewise I would contend that it's it's necessary for the Christian to maintain spiritual life. You know, the end of prayer is not merely to receive, amen, merely, because I do believe we do receive when we pray. But the end of prayer, amen, is to know and glorify God. That is the end. And we should keep that in mind. We should serve God because of who he is. We should love God because he is God. And he is worthy to be loved, honored, praised, adored, worshipped, amen. And we've got to choose again. That's something I can choose with my will. Revival bring demands spiritual violence. This is the last thing that we're going to speak about here tonight in this message. The effectual, fervent prayer. Amen. The effectual, fervent prayer. And that word fervent means to be active, to be operative, and it requires work. Or labor. You know, praying. You can't do that if you're lazy. If you're lazy in the spirit, you're never going to pray. If you're, if you're not willing to deny yourself, if you're not willing to labor, then you're not going to be very, very, very effectual in your prayer life. The principle of violence, amen, this is something that has been communicated 
from this pulpit over and over and over addressing passivity. In fact, as I was meditating upon this, and uh, Lord willing, what I'm going to preach on Sunday morning is going to, you know, just address this solely and completely spiritual passivity. But, uh, you know, I thought, how, how would I... How would I address that to our church? Would I say it's a besetting sin? Would I say it's something that we've struggled with? Well, yeah, I would say that. But, you know, in traveling around, I would say this is, you know, universal. It's very common. This is what people are, you know, this is what the the church in general is facing. People are passive. And that's a nice way of saying unbelief. Are people just not allowed to God, refuse to act, and no amount of teaching can change it. It's a condition of heart. It's a condition of heart. The true born-again man, filled with the life of God, comes to realize and know every spiritual act of obedience prompts spiritual opposition. Do you understand? Do you hear Every act of spiritual obedience is going to prompt spiritual opposition. Don't don't be amazed. Don't marvel at the attack. You've got to fight through it. The kingdom of God, what? Amen. And the violent take it by force. It's not going to be taken any other way. You're going to have to take it on the ground of the finished work of Christ. We've heard it said, and I can't say it any better. The victory has been won. Eternal life has been secured at Calvary. And all the benefits of salvation have been purchased by the death, burial, burial and resurrection of Christ. But they must be enforced by faith on a practical basis, moment by moment, in the believer's life. You understand me? It's the devil that's coming to rob you. It's the devil, amen, that's coming to tempt you. It's the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And you've got to learn, amen, to oppose the enemy. That if the wind is blowing from this direction, you rise up and violate the wind. There's very practical. If, if I don't feel like praying, that's when you need to pray the loudest. Amen. When the devil tells you, if you do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tempt you this way. You violate! You violate the intimidation of the devil. You make me sick. Amen. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do twice as, that doesn't mean I feel good. That doesn't mean, you you say, brother Britt, you, you, you've been sick. Amen. I've come out of the hospital. Amen. With, uh, with uh, kidney stones. Went in there for two weeks or whatever. They shot me with all kind of stuff. I finally said, I'm through with this. And I walked out. Where'd you go? I went to preach on the street that night. You had goosebumps all over you and the spirit of the Lord came upon you and you felt like angels lifted you up in heaven. And when you opened your mouth, you trumpeted the word of the Lord. It was so supernatural. No, I felt like a dog. I felt awful. I was in pain. I felt like going up, going home, curling up, and getting in a bed. That's what I felt like doing. Amen? But I knew if I did that, then the devil says, no. Yeah, all you have to do to stop him 
It's just make him sick. Amen. That's, you know, that, that makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? If you got a spiritual mind. Because it's the truth. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about you're sleepy, there's anything in the night, when you, you've got to defy that, you've got to rise up and resist the devil. Now, I've got scripture for it. The Bible says submit yourself to God. And the Bible says resist the devil. What do you do? You know what the scriptures say. To subjecting yourself and submitting yourself to God is to obey the Bible. Regardless of what you feel like. Amen? And by doing that, you are resisting the enemy and you will overcome. Amen? Well, this, this principle is no, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's so important, but it's never so important as when, in, in regards to praying. Because, you know, you don't feel like praying. You feel like coasting. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like rising up and concentrating and putting your inner eye upon denying yourself, putting your inner eye upon the Lord Jesus Christ and other. And you know, listen to me. You, you, you don't mind talking to other people. I know how it is. I'm a human being. I can talk to other people for hours. But you know, to talk to God. Why is that? Because the devil is opposing you. He doesn't want you to pray. You get already stay away. And then get home and get on the phone and talk about the, you know, the, 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 the sale at the mall. Talk for hours. Coming to a prayer meeting here, can't even hear hardly people talk to God. Can't hear them hardly pray. All right, you're dismissed. Hug someone as you go. Sit here for hours. Talk to one another. The devil, you know, he's not really fighting you to talk to one another. <laughs> or at least not as much as he is fighting you to talk to God. It's going to demand that you deny yourself and choose. To know God, you've got to choose to know God. To know God, you've got to choose to have a relationship with Him. Amen. To know God deeply, you've got to choose to walk with Him, share with Him, open your heart, speak to Him, cast all your care upon Him. It's going to take time, and that's the truth. The spiritual man understands that he will never take spiritual ground by slothful self-indulgence. And that's exactly what coasting through the prayer meeting is. Much easier just to kind of be passive. Refuse to strive to press in. Make no mistake, prayer requires spiritual desire, labor, and tenacity. To effectually pray, we are fighting on every front. The natural realm, just in the nat- just your mind. The distractions, the thing, you know, if you want to remember, I can't remember, uh, you know, what I got to do today. Just go to prayer. You just go ahead and write down, the, you know, everything you got to do because it will all come back to your mind. That's just the natural realm. You're going to fight those distractions. The flesh, amen, the devil, all those things are contrary to the spirit. When men set their heart to pray through, then they are stirring themselves by the simple fact of choosing. This is what I'm going to do. This is the need. This is the will of God. This is what God said about it. I'm standing right here, and I'm going to bring it before God because I'm led by the Spirit to do so. That alone constitutes stirring yourself. They will defy the flesh and, if need be, the demonic oppression and will rise up and take hold of eternal life. 
They will take it because it is there to be taken and it wouldn't be unlikely that they would break a sweat while they're doing it. You know, if you really pray, there's going to be some times you're going to, you're going to break a sweat. I mean, it's labor. I'm not suggesting every time you pray, it's got to be like that. But I am saying some of the times for sure, it's going to require that you rise up. And whatever you, you know, some people, they, you know, they can lay down on their, you know, face on the ground and pray for hours and maintain their concentration. You know, and I, I don't doubt that that people can do that. Some of you can do that. But you see, it's for each of us to, you know, take inventory of our own experience and to find out what we, like for me, the best way to keep myself, you know, attentive is just to pace. I'm not saying I never kneel down or what have you. I'm not suggesting that any, you, you may never pace. I'm not telling you you got to pace. You understand? It's not so much the posture of your, you know, your body language, although I do believe just sitting down with your eyes closed and snoring, that's not probably praying. Or being, you know, preoccupied, you know. I mean, it, it, it happens. I'm way up here. I can see all of you at once. It happens. And again, if you get distracted for a moment, that's one thing. You get distracted for a few minutes. But, you know, take, like, I can't do this. I've got to press in. I've got to learn to overcome in this area. Amen. You, you just can't, listen, if you ignore this, it's going to be for your eternal demise. However, don't misunderstand, we're not speaking of mere natural activity. Not just volume or animation, though I do believe living effectual prayer. I mean, the very word, fervent. You understand? You don't, this, this don't look fervent. So I do believe that the very term fervent implies, you know, a passion, a zeal that can be detected. But I'm not here just to tweak the externals, amen. I'm not here just for you to get louder at the prayer meeting. Because we can get louder and still not pray, amen. I'm talking about acting, choosing to act on the word of God. If we're to experience revival, then we're going to have to ask, amen. We can never get through the opposition if we refuse to fight the good fight of faith. It must be, amen, the subject of our prayer. If we see that we have need and we see that we have need of revival, then that should be, uh, for the most part, you know, one of the main, the primary things that we're praying about right now. Amen? And we should pray, oh, oh, God. And, you know, listen to me. What people ask, and it's legitimate. You have to learn to pray. I'm not... Suggesting, or that, that may not be the right terminology. I think any, you know, born again believer, just like that baby that's born, that baby, you know, intrinsically, uh, there's an innate understanding of who mother is. Amen. And so I think if we're really born again, there's going to be that intrinsic, that innate, that spiritual recognition, you know, communion with God. Amen. At the very minute. But, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So, you know, you learn to pray by praying. 
And as you enter in, amen, to the presence of God, and you pray through that opposition, and, you know, the devil's going to fight you to pray, and you've got to learn to pray through until you come to a place, amen, where there is grace to overcome. But we've got to be committed to praying for revival. And I want us, amen, to stir ourselves, amen. Not not just, you know, carnally stir ourselves, but stir ourselves based upon the Word of God. Amen? And for us to not let go until we pray through. We're in need, church. We need revival. And God will answer that prayer. But we have to ask. And we have to ask collectively. Amen? The church, you know, the collective church Voice, the heart of this church. We're all contributing, amen, to that collective heart of this local assembly. And whatever we are, amen, in the way that we view ourselves, amen, I believe that there needs to be a brokenness. There needs to be a hungering, a desiring for revival. And I believe that there needs to be that collective voice that's raised up. God, send your spirit to move afresh in our midst. Amen. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands toward heaven? Let's sing a song. He is my everything. Hallelujah. The key of D. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me. Made all things new. He is my everything. Not other will do. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything. He is my everything. Both great and small. He is life for me. You are my everything, sing it to Him. You are my everything. 
Friday evening, 8.30 p.m., Lord willing, we'll meet at my home. Out to I preach at the Illusions Club. January 1st, that's a Sunday, we will have a fellowship uh, that afternoon uh, at the Kennan's home. That's January 1st. Then the 8th of um, January, we will go to the men. We will go to New Orleans and preach in the quarter. There will be a gathering for the women that evening uh, at the Kennan home as well. That's on the 8th, and uh, there's some uh, video teaching and what have you that uh, we're going to have and provide. So that'll be on the 8th, the evening, Sunday evening, on the 8th at the Kennan home as well. Amen.